everyone. I am so excited to have you back for the second Inclusion Podcast. I'm Julie Costin, and I got such great response from the first one, and I'm just thrilled to get the second one out there. Today's topic is going to be called, Let's Start With Why. And I selected a great question from my email, and it came from a director of curriculum. And I thought it was a great question to start with today because I think many people need to answer the question of why inclusion? Why should we do this work? Why should we move in this direction? Why is this better for all kids? Is this better for all kids? I loved this question because I thought it was so useful in so many people's lives. So whether you're a parent of a child with a disability or you're a person with a disability yourself or you're a educator and you're trying to convince some of your teammates about inclusive education or you're a director of special education and you want to convince and help educators understand this or if you're a principal, it doesn't matter really what kind of a stakeholder you are in this process. Many of us need to start with the why of it. So I will get started with, let's start with why, and I'll read the question to begin this work. So this question came to my email from a person named Sue, and she's a director of curriculum and instruction. And she sent this to my email, and my email, just so you know, is julie at inclusiveschooling.com. And if you have a question, you can send it to podcast questions. You can put that in the subject line and send an email. And so this was many, one of the many that came this week. And here's what Sue wrote. Hi, Julie. I am the Director of Curriculum and Instruction in Illinois. I have recently seen you present in our area, and we all loved it. After hearing you speak, we were also motivated and excited with the idea of creating a more inclusive school district. We knew we had to make some changes, but we didn't really know what changes to make until we saw your presentation. For all of us, the road became clear. We need to change our outdated system of special education. However, there is one large obstacle in our way. One of our colleagues, our director of special education, is not on board. She does not see a reason to change and thinks that things are fine just the way they are. So I guess here's my long-winded question. How do I convince others that this is the direction we need to move? What rationale do I use to change her mind? What really works to move people's hearts and minds? Thank you, Julie, for all you do. I cannot wait to get moving forward in our district from Sue. Wow, okay, great question, great question, great question. Thank you so much for sending it. And I think it's applicable no matter who you are in terms of how do we think about helping people see that inclusive education might be a direction that we want to go in. I want to say, Sue, that I feel for you because I realize that having the director of special education, who is one of the most important people in this work, not being on board is a huge obstacle. It's not uncommon, strangely, to have the director of special education being the person who is the most resistant. And I don't know why that is the case, but I feel like after seeing it over and over and over again in schools, I think for me, it's the most personal for the director of special education because for their whole career, often they've been the one who've been enforcing these kinds of 
decisions and often the decisions to segregate or separate students with disabilities. And so even considering these ideas are an affront to that person's job, that person's sense of identity, you know, a personal and professional identity. The other reason I think that it's common is that special education directors are often educated a while back in special education, which really predominantly used a medical model. And so many of them are really operating under those assumptions still. I also want to tell you that many districts, it's actually the director of special education that move they're the people who are the movers and shakers in the terms in terms of inclusive education so I just want to say your obstacle is a big one but it's not impossible and I kind of wanted to give a little background as to why maybe they might be so stuck in their ways so here's my answer to you Sue um, given that this is where you are today I want to share with you four reasons Four reasons that you might use to help folks understand kind of why we might want to move in this direction. And I want to tell you that it's hearts and minds work. It's the work of sometimes people change because of a particular story or a particular person or a particular video or a particular experience and their heart changes really. And sometimes people change because their mind changes when they realize the sort of logical mind around achievement or legal reasons or things like that. So I'm going to give you four reasons that you can use to talk with your director of special education about why you might want to move in this direction. So when deciding how you're going to convince someone that you might want to move in this direction, I think it's really interesting and important, I guess, to consider who that person is. Are they a very logical person? Are they someone who is driven by emotion, by heart, those kind of things? And so this is the work I've been doing for 20 years, which is helping people see why to move in this direction and then obviously helping them to do that. So the first thing I'm going to do is start with reason number one, and I'm just going to say it's the law, right? We're going to start with the law. So you probably know this, but this all falls under the Least Restrictive Environment, or LRE. And the Least Restrictive Environment, the federal law says that students with and without disabilities should be educated together to the maximum extent appropriate. So essentially, you're just going to start there to say, I don't think we're at the maximum extent appropriate. We've got a lot of students that are in segregated settings. If you want information about the law, I would just go to rights law and pull that up, pull up least restrictive environment and talk about that piece. I often talk about Brown versus Board of Education. Um, in 1954, we decided it wasn't okay to segregate students students based on race, and it's also not okay to segregate students based on disability. The other legal piece that I use a lot is the Ron Kerr portability test. So in a court case, Ron Kerr versus Walter, there was a decision made where if services are portable, they should be brought to students. So the Ron Kerr portability test is what I would use. Those would be my three places to think about when I was trying to explain the legal reasons behind this work. Almost every state in the country is pushing towards more and more inclusive education, and so you could also look to your state to see what, what letters they have out suggesting that, that folks are moving in a more inclusive direction. But probably your special ed director is well aware of that. So I would start with, maybe I would start with the law, depending upon this uh, particular person. 
The second rationale I think you might want to use when justifying inclusive education is the research in this area. The research in the area of inclusive education is incredibly clear. Students with and without disabilities benefit both socially and academically from inclusive education. I love to use the research to explain why because it's essentially irrefutable. The research in this area is more clear than any other research in any other area around education. When students are educated together with thoughtful, inclusive service provision, all students do better. Now, it's hard over a podcast to share some of the visual, the visual you know, charts and graphs and things like that that explain the achievement changes for students with disabilities and students without. So I'm going to send you to my website. If you're someone who wants a lot of this research or wants to use this research to prove that it's better, on the website, inclusiveschooling.com, you can find all sorts of research articles from me, but also from many others who've done this work that can really give you the rationale. But it's proven over and over again that academically, and socially and behaviorally, students with disabilities do better in inclusive settings. And having peers with disabilities in your classroom is likely to be better for you as a student if you don't have a disability. So that's kind of all the research in a nutshell, but you can go directly there to grab as much as you want. It's all free to just um, use and take and print and read and share. Some people are very convinced by research and others are not. So I want to talk about the third reason that you might give for inclusive education. The third reason that I would use to really talk about why inclusive schooling is a student-centered reason. Sharing a specific student story can be very influential when thinking about how and why to include students with disabilities. So. I'm going to read for you an article that Kate McLeod and I wrote with uh, Nelia, who is Sabrina's mother. So we're going to tell you a little story about Sabrina. Sabrina is a very popular second grader. Her classmates love spending time with her, both in and out of school. Kids line up to read to Sabrina during story time, crowd to help her with math flashcards or classroom chores, and are eager to have their parents set up weekend play dates. In fact, at Sabrina's latest play date, none of the children wanted to leave her when their parents came to take them home. But two years ago, if you had asked her mom, Nelia, whether Sabrina was a popular kid, you likely would have gotten an anxious look, a shake of the head, or maybe a few tears. So what changed? Sabrina, did her peers? Did she acquire a new backyard water slide? No, no, and no. What changed was her educational placement. When Sabrina entered school, her well-meaning teachers saw a lovely young girl with significant disability. They saw her communication challenges and her academic and social delays and decided her significant needs would be best served in a special education class separated from her peers without disabilities. She would have a a small class size, she wouldn't be bullied, and she wouldn't be distracted. She would be able to learn and grow and make new friends with students like her. Sabrina entered this separate special education classroom and remained there for several years. And while her teacher was kind and loving, Sabrina had limited access to general education curriculum, and neither Sabrina nor her family felt part of the school. Worst of all, because other children in Sabrina's class also had limited verbal and social skills, she did not make much progress or any meaningful relationships. 
After three years of sleepless nights and countless tears of frustration and worry, Nelia, Sabrina's mom, asked the school for a new placement for Sabrina in the general education classroom. Nelia explained she wanted Sabrina to have the same opportunities students without disabilities had, access to general education curriculum and access to friendships. The school team was shocked. They tried to convince Nelia that she was making a mistake, that it wasn't possible for a student with such significant needs to be included in general education. When Nelia pressed them, why wasn't this possible, they responded that Sabrina was too below grade level. Her sensory challenges would cause her to shut down. She would disrupt other children, and the students would bully her for her differences. Worst of all, they worried, Sabrina would be even more isolated and alone. But Nelia still believed inclusion would work, so she advocated for Sabrina to be included. She hired an attorney to help her prove that under IDEA, all students with disabilities have the right to be included with appropriate supports and services in the general education classroom. Nilia's period of advocacy coincided with the new special education administration in the district that was more supportive of inclusion. After six months of countless meetings and even a trial run, Sabrina finally received an official placement in the general education classroom. Unsurprisingly to us, including Sabrina has been exceptionally successful. Her teachers gush about her academic and social growth, reporting that Sabrina is focusing during interaction, meeting her academic goals, becoming more independent, and making many friends. But including Sabrina isn't just good for Sabrina, it's good for everyone. While many of Sabrina's peers enjoy working with her, she is particularly close with two boys, Tim and Talon. In the beginning of the year, Tim could barely read, but because he knew Sabrina loved listening to stories, he began reading to her simple picture books. While Sabrina listened and took in new information, Tim's reading fluency and confidence grew. His attitude towards reading has greatly shifted, and now he is reading Sabrina chapter books while she sits and listens intently. Talon, on the other hand, str struggles with focus and attention. But when he works with Sabrina, he is patient, calm, and loving. In fact, Talon's mother recently wrote, What I have come to realize is that having Sabrina in class has helped Talon in more ways than I could have imagined. It has taught him so much, and he truly loves her. The three children often sit together and read together. The first time Sabrina's teacher saw their shared reading time, she was compelled to write Nelia about the moment. When I saw these three in the classroom together, I burst out in a huge smile. I know one thing for sure, it is no accident that their paths crossed. The question about inclusion is easily answered during moments like that. Sabrina's teacher and school team have all benefited from inclusion. Their initial questions about whether Sabrina and other students with significant disabilities could succeed in general education have been answered with a resounding yes. For them, inclusion is no longer a fear, but an opportunity for immense academic and social growth. Her teacher, Nancy, explains, our expectations are growing and changing as Sabrina progresses. Expectations for Sabrina will always continue to grow, and she is meeting them. Sabrina's school district has also taken note of her success. They now recognize the need to support inclusion with greater intensity. Next year, the district will concentrate heavily on inclusive program development in two more of their schools, focusing on the best practices for including students with disabilities in the general education classroom. They plan on taking inclusive program development to more and more of their schools and eventually create a much more inclusive school district. So now, whenever Nelia speaks with other parents or educators who are struggling with the concept of inclusion, wondering if it really improves the lives of everyone, she has a very simple answer. Of course it does. Just ask Sabrina or her friends. So as you notice in this particular story, and I can tell you that you can download this and print it, if you Google 
including students with disabilities benefits everyone, and here's why. This was uh, published in Rethinking Schools and then republished again in, on a blog called Think Inclusive. So feel free to take it, copy it, use it, but essentially telling your own stories or having families in your district tell their stories really get to the heart of the matter. The fourth reason that I would like you to use when talking to Sue about why inclusion is really the social justice reasons. I know that thinking about social justice is important in all schools where we're thinking about natural diversity in any one school. We often spend our time and energy thinking about marginalized populations of students, like students from lower socioeconomic groups, or students of different races, or LGBT students, or students who are marginalized in any way, shape, or form due to race, religion, ethnicity, etc. And so one piece that's often left out is disability. And when we take disability and really connect it right in with the social justice reasons, Many times people start to see, oh wow, this is really an equity issue. All the things that I mentioned before, so the student-centered reasons like Sabrina, the legal reasons, and then the achievement reasons fit beautifully with this connection to social justice. So I hope this helps. We'd love to hear how it goes when you work with Sue to kind of open those hearts and minds and all the other hearts and minds in your district. I can't wait to hear how it goes. This is the end of this podcast, and please join us for our next one when we handle more and more inclusive questions. So thank you so much for your time and energy, and have a great, great day with warm, inclusive wishes. Thanks so much. Uh -oh.